Hi everyone, Mary here, just popping in with a little midweek treat for you. Since it's back to school season once again, we thought we'd reprise our bonus episode from August of last year, where we discussed how to approach the new school year with a little more sustainability in mind and a little more thoughtfulness as you gather all of the things, the school supplies, the lunchbox items, the clothing, and all of this without taking away any of the excitement of this special time. If you heard it last year, you might find it worth listening again, and if you missed it, or if you're a new listener, here it is, our discussion of how to make back-to-school more sustainable. Enjoy! Hello, everybody. Welcome to this bonus episode of the Good Dirt Podcast, where we're going to talk about ideas for making back-to-school more sustainable. There's definitely a fall vibe in the air. Yeah, I had to put a hoodie on this morning, believe it or not. And it makes me think of my own back to school memories from the 60s and the 70s. And school always started the day after Labor Day. It was always the same day. So we would spend the last week or two of August gathering our supplies and getting our first day of school outfit and our new shoes and all of that. It was really very exciting. Those are happy memories. I was always excited for the new school year, excited for the chilly weather. So what about you, Emma? What are your, some of your back to school memories from the 90s? Well, I remember a lot of stress about whose class you were going to be in. Oh yeah, that. You're going to be with your friends. I don't remember how early you found that out, if it was a whole week before school or closer to. And then as far as the back-to-school supplies, it was always really fun being able to get new stuff, but it just wasn't a huge priority for us, I felt like, as a family. It was kind of like an afterthought, and then we were like, okay, yeah, let's go do that. And then everything was always so picked over, and (laughs) I totally get it that it's so fun to buy nice pens and colorful binders and stuff like that. But it always just sort of felt like a mad rush. And I guess to the point of why we wanted to have this conversation today, maybe my malaise was an early form of this is I'm feeling very marketed to and told that there's an urgency around me needing to buy a bunch of new stuff. So as a child, you picked up on that, do you think? I think so, just because it was a pressure. There was like urgency to it that I didn't like. Right. When I got there and I was excited to buy things, but I didn't like, (gasps) you got to go get your back to school stuff. And then it was kind of annoying when you would go and things would be picked over. I just didn't like that. So that might be a result of my kind of resisting it. So I'd wait to the last minute and then everything, things were picked over. I remember walking back to the back of Target and whatever, things were scattered and there wouldn't be the exact packet that was on the list and all of that. So I hope I didn't traumatize you. (laughs) You probably did, but I don't think that's your fault. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess what I want our listeners to understand, and of course people know this, but it really helps to just bring it more to consciousness, is that back to school is just another marketing season. It's just like any other holiday that's created reasons for you to buy things. Mm-hmm. And lots of those things we don't really need. Some of the things you do need, of course, the kids need school supplies, but lots of things you don't. And we want to talk about that. Yeah. Sort of beyond the school conversation about the marketing season, I noticed the conversation really shifting when August 1st happened on social media and on the internet. 
people immediately started talking about fall. Like it's almost a joke now where in August people are just kind of done with summer and yeah. they're ready for their pumpkin spice lattes. And it's an interesting thing that happens because it's sort of funny. There's funny memes. I just want everyone to be super aware that is an emotion that we're all having. We're kind of getting nostalgic. We're excited for the chill in the air and the warm cup of coffee. And <laughs> I'm just saying there's nothing Your wrong sweaters. with that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's so fun. I feel the same way. But that emotion is so palpable and so strong at back to school time that that is what is used against us by the September magazines come out. And it's everything's new life. It's almost like the new, it's a new year. Yeah. It's, its own kind of new year. New fall, new you. Now we get to be cozy again. And it's great. I love it. But it also is something that I feel more the need to buy things. For what reason? I don't know. Because I'm more emotional. <laughs> As we've learned, marketing is mostly emotional. So it's just something to pay attention to. That's a really good point. We're very vulnerable. I guess that's a way to put it. Oh, yeah. The whole marketing scene out there is using your emotion and your nostalgia mm -hmm. to create reasons to buy things. 100%. Draw you in. So the back to school thing, like I said, it's a whole season. The three categories I put the whole back to school marketing push is for school supplies, for lunchbox items and snack items, okay, things you could take to school with you to eat, and clothing. So I thought we'd okay. talk a little bit about all these things. I love it. Let's dig in. Yeah, let's dig into this good dirt. Okay, so first of all, the school supplies. I found out that you can access these school supply lists online. So I looked at our local elementary and high school list just out of curiosity. And guess what? It's all the same stuff. It's you know the three ring binders, folders, pencils, markers, scissors, crayons, color pencils, calculators, the whole thing. And you go into store after store and it ends up literally being miles and miles of all this stuff, all packaged up in plastic and ready for the rush. As we were saying, kids get their list from schools and you want to go to the store and, and pick it all up. What might be the hack here for having to buy less of it and reducing all this packaging waste and still have your kids ready for the classroom? What do you think? I don't know, but it sounds like you've already thought about something. I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> I do. I have an idea. Okay. And tell me whether or not you think this is corny. You can make it fun by creating a game or a challenge in your household. And maybe build in an incentive or a reward, whatever works in your family. Here's the idea. You have everybody go through and collect all of the used pens and pencils and crayons and colored pencils and erasers and even the folders and the notebooks from last year. And just for fun, you see how much you can come up with that is already in your house. You might be utterly amazed. And I'm saying this after spending the summer cleaning out my parents' house. And the number of pens and pencils and paper clips, index cards, markers. It was like literally going to Office Max. I might never have to buy pens again. No kidding. Yeah. Just from going through the drawers and stuff. And, you know, have the kids look under their bed. Have them look in the toy box. I'm just trying to think how to make it fun. Like, I'm picturing you telling us this. Yeah. Like, you're going to play a game, kids. And me and my brothers being like, mm, <laughs> what? Ha ha, mom. That's so funny. Um, so I'm trying to think of what might actually make it fun and not cheesy. But I think it's a great idea. It's just getting kids on board, especially when the alternative is going to the store and getting new stuff, which is so cool and fun. So I like your idea of an incentive. What about 
you pool everything and you make some sort of calculation about the money you're saving. And that goes to something that everybody really wants to do. Yeah, that's a really good idea. (laughs) So obvious that you're a mom and I'm not a mom yet because my thought was that each person gets the dollar amount of what they find. It's almost competitive. But your idea of pooling it to do something that everyone, that's really sweet. It depends on what works in your family. Maybe yeah. maybe your kids operate more on the competitive thing, trying to outdo each other, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it works better as a family unit. You just have to decide what works. But it is an idea. Because it's true. It's like you are saving so much money. Literally, how many complete color sets of markers and crayons can you put together and not have to buy that thing and not have to have that piece of plastic packaging to throw away mm-hmm. and how many less than half full spiral notebooks are just ready to go for the next year how many three ring binders that are still intact from the year before and like I said you can be creative about an incentive maybe everybody's begging to go to the water park one last time before school starts you know and that can be kind of expensive those tickets I mean what if do you think that would be motivating for kids Say, hey, we did this. We created this for ourselves. It depends. And like you said, parents out there might say, but, you know, the kids like to get the new things. It's exciting. It makes it special. Back to school is a special time. I'm sure that's true, but isn't it all in how you frame things? Mm -hmm. And do we really want to create a feeling of specialness or special occasion around buying things? I know that's really a big part of our culture. Well, it just occurred to me, why is it a big part of our culture, mom? Because you and I were both raised to think that way, that it was special yeah, and that it feels good. And we associate it with our nostalgia and with the changing of the seasons because your mom was excited to take you school shopping and you were less than excited to take me school shopping. (laughs) My friends were all excited about school shopping. And I associate that tradition with my emotional state at the end of the summer and beginning of fall, which is just big. Like that's a big feeling time. It is. The point is that we were trained to equate buying a new pack of markers means big feelings, good things ahead. But we can retrain them or untrain them to say buying a new pack of markers when you have plenty of markers that work well at home is just unconscious consumerism. (laughs) That's what this means. Not to be a Debbie Downer about it. It's so easy to reframe it. And you don't have to lecture the kids and be all, this is what we must do kind of thing. It's just how you present things. Instead of making a special occasion out of going to Target and buying all these things, you make a special occasion out of something else. Again, that's made possible Mm-hmm. because you didn't go buy all those things, because you decided to use what you already have and save the money and save the time. You're creating a really special occasion. You're replacing that trained cultural behavior into something else. So it's just an idea. It's also the whole back to school shopping thing has become a ritual, you know, a cultural ritual. Right. I'm just suggesting that maybe we can shift that in our own families. First of all, we can shift it in ourselves. And as a mom or a dad or as parents, we might just become aware of the impulse to go buy things and where does that come from? And just think about it. And if you decide that that's what you want to do, that's the experience you want your kids to have, go for it. Just do it. But the thing I'm trying to do here is simply make people think about it a little. Make it not so automatic. Make it so that you have a choice. You have an inner choice about this. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to bring up because 
when we all start recognizing our inner choices, when we all start recognizing that we don't have to be a prisoner to these cultural practices and consumer rituals, then that's when change can start happening within ourselves, our families, and also on a much larger scale. So we've already said a lot of great things to take away. And I think that there's a lot here to take away and chew on, but we do want to hit on food and clothing for the back to school theme. So do you want to chat about your thoughts about food for a little bit? Oh, yes. I feel really strongly about this. I was in the grocery store recently and I made it a point to look around and see what was being sold as back to school and lunchbox type items. So this is probably the biggest trap for busy parents, I think. Buying what is marketed as convenience, which is pre-prepared and portioned out packaged foods. I would say packaged food-like substances. That's a quote from Michael Pollan. These packaged food-like substances, food items in throwaway containers, like single use. And they're all over the place. They're literally miles and miles of this stuff. And I was taking a close look at some of these things, marketed as healthy, but this stuff is so misleading. And it doesn't take a scientist to really recognize this. It just really takes us being conscious and aware of what we're being told. Right. Like I said, these things are often marketed as healthy. A lot of these pre-made and packaged foods are now labeled USDA organic. And things like no sugar added or reduced sugar, that seems to be very common these days. And that's good. I mean, it's good. I'm so glad they're using organic ingredients. I'm so glad these things are not laced with pesticides. But another thing I noticed is that they're brand names that have the word farm or farmer in them. I don't want to call out specific brands, but there's lots of logos and images of like green fields and farm animals and fruits and vegetables. And and all of this is to suggest to our now more food conscious population, all to suggest a source that we can feel good about. This food comes from a farm, not a factory. And it probably makes us feel better about buying them and putting them in the lunchbox. But let's just think about this for a minute. When you've got four ounces of pureed fruit packaged in a single-use container with a plastic screw top, none of which is recyclable, and the whole thing is consumed in a matter of minutes before the container hits the trash headed for the landfill, where it will remain for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So is that really a good thing? Yeah, the contents might be organic. Let's just think this through. Those applesauce things, they're delicious. I have mm -hmm. bought them and eaten them. Not proud of it, but I have. <laughs> you said matter of minutes. They take two seconds to eat. There's <laughs> such a small portion. And you're right. I think it's probably more packaging than it is food product. Absolutely. I want my applesauce to go. What's the alternative? What do I do? I make my own applesauce and put it in a reusable jar with a spoon compared to the Slurpee packet thing. What do I do? I'm sort of playing the false advocate here because I know that's what I should do or just not buy them. Go without applesauce. <sighs> it's true. And you have made this point here on this show before, Emma, that when you think about the convenience of driving to the store pushing your cart around, grabbing these things, going through checkout, going home, just to be able to throw this thing in a lunchbox already packaged. Is it really all that different from having some zero-waste containers in your house and instead of going over to that cooler section and buying these things, go to the applesauce aisle and buy yourself a nice big jar of organic applesauce mm -hmm. in a glass jar and do that? Is it really that big of a difference? 
right, it's just something to think about. And also something to think about is, again, the pureed fruit in the little single-use packet that might have a picture of the farm on the front. Think about how far that substance that's been processed and packaged and waiting for you in the supermarket cooler, how close can that actually be to the source? And then the prepared lunches that are in the plastic containers that have little compartments for all the different foods, one for crackers, one for cheese, one for the drink, dessert, candy cookies. Some of the contents are packaged within the package. These things are a complete fail, in my opinion, if anyone's interested, in terms of nutrition, environmental impact, and health. Don't fall for the convenience trap. It is a trap. I was looking at some of those packaged lunches, and there was one for barbecue chicken or something or other, and there was a whole plastic compartment for literally what looked like a teaspoon of sauce. Mm. That was like a whole 20, 25% of the meal was this little dab of sauce. Mm. I encourage people to look at those things, think about it, read the label, read the contents, read the nutrition information, and you might decide to buy it anyway, and that's okay. But if you are considering it before you buy it, if you're thinking about the impact and you're thinking about what you really want for your family, if you're doing that and you decide to buy it anyway, that's okay. There's no problem with that. It's just being conscious of what you're doing. Okay. Playing devil's advocate. I have a really full schedule and I'm really busy and I want my kids to have nutritious lunches and I work and my partner works and I don't have time to make gourmet meals every day. I'm listening to you say this and I'm feeling personally attacked. Okay, good to know. Here's my suggestion. Let's say you walk into the grocery store and the cooler with all this stuff is on the left. You go to the right, to the produce section, the fresh food section, and you select simple real foods that are easily packed in the lunchbox, some with minimal to no preparation. Apples, carrots, cucumbers, cherry tomatoes, things like this. Most stores now carry organic. Or, of course, make it a practice to go to your neighborhood farmer's market and get the local food that actually is from a farm, not just some hyped-up logo. I want to ask Emma, speaking from the place of that working mom whose partner works and busy and no time feeling stress, what is more convenient about purchasing a plastic box full of food-like substances, to quote Michael Pollan again, and simply buying the real thing? Well, my thing is I have to like do things to it when I get real food. I mean, I learned this being a year in a really amazing CSA. It's a lot of work. It's a part-time job processing all the food. What if you're just putting in a whole carrot or a whole cucumber or an apple? Do you remember our friends from Holland when we live in Georgia? Mm-hmm. I learned so much from her. Those kids ate a chunk of cheese and a whole cucumber in their school lunch. It was perfectly normal for them. She didn't do any prep time. She put a whole cucumber in there. I saw that. I thought that was so odd. I thought my kids would never eat that. And then I thought, well, why not? We can normalize these things for our kids too. It's also so funny. We've talked about this on the show before with, especially with the cucumber and so many fruits and veggies, they have their own packaging. Yes. Clementines. Anything with a A banana. Exactly. A banana is in nature's packaging. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I see what you're saying. It's just a matter of normalizing that. And cheese is super easy. You just cut slices of it. And things like that, too. We were somehow trained along the way that a lot of cheese wasn't good or something. But cheese is great. Good fat, good protein. And your individual servings of cheese don't have to be shrink-wrapped in plastic either. Right. <laughs> Buy a chunk of cheese. 
cut off a hunk, wrap it in some wax paper. Or those Now they're selling those glassine snack bags, which are great. Good sustainable packaging. We normalize these things for our kids by doing it. Mm-hmm. And if they beg for the packaged meals and the snacks and the little juice boxes and all that, explain. Explain why you're going to choose the alternative and let them be a part of the effort. Emma, are you still feeling attacked? No, thank you for clarifying. Okay. I do think that it's a different way of thinking about it and that the marketing and what we see, the images that we're seeing are really powerful and they make us think that why wouldn't we get the quick to-go package? It's so easy and it's organic and it has all these vitamins in it. But you were correct in pointing out that a packet of applesauce that will be thrown away is nothing compared to a real apple that you don't even have to cut it up. You can just put it in there. Yes. Et cetera, et cetera. That goes on and on with all of those things. You might want to mention to our listeners a couple of things we have in our marketplace that might help on this score. So we have this great product in our store that I'm not sure we'll be carrying forever. If you're interested in a wool-insulated lunchbox, we have a few left. So get them at the Lady Farmer Marketplace. They're really cute. And we have these little jute sandwich bags made out of jute that are reusable. They're really sweet. So yeah, stock up. Yeah. www.ladyfarmer.com. Marketplace. Right. Let's transition into clothing. Mm -hmm. I have one question. And you can tell me, as the devil's advocate, Emma, and you're coming from the standpoint of a very busy working person with a busy working partner and that you're stressed and you have no time. I would like to know how this sounds to you. I would ask our listeners, have you introduced your kids all ages to the local thrift store? Mm, yes. And how about starting a tradition of a back-to-school hand-me-down party or a clothing swap? Oh, I love that. I love that idea with the get the kids in on it. Yeah, make a special occasion of it. Because that's creating new core memories. Yeah. Whereas it used like my core memories might be like smelling a new pack of markers. <laughs> but what if the next generation kids' core memories is coming together with their friends and neighbors and everyone swapping clothes? Oh, that'd be so fun. And maybe you get like one new thing for the school year or you make something. You spend the summer making something together. There's just so many opportunities here for new memories to be made. New memories and new behaviors and new practices and new traditions. Mm-hmm. And it might seem like impossible that the kids have expectations and we have expectations. We have to recognize our own expectations and our own projections. I think that's mostly what it is, mom, because I think kids, especially, everyone always says, especially this younger generation, (laughs) they get it. Like they really do get it. (gasps) They do get it. You know, kids are just so impressionable and luckily they're not super great consumers yet because they don't have their own money and they aren't self-conscious enough yet. So I sort of feel that most of the work is actually on ourselves. It's worth thinking about maybe if you have feelings around sending your kids to school with hand-me-downs, what is that? Where is that coming from? And why Why do you have those feelings? In our own community here, I'll share that we get together every now and then have clothing swaps. And it's so much fun. We have a potluck. We drink wine. And there's like a sixth and a seventh grader now who come, daughters of our friends, and they get our clothes. Yeah. They think it's cool. And it's multi-generational. It's so much fun. And here's what's really fun. It's it's almost funny. It's comical. We trade clothes around. You know, we walk around and we see each other wearing, oh, yeah, those are my jeans or that's my sweater. And we laugh. And it's just so fun. Now, what if the same thing were happening with your fourth or fifth graders? And it was fun. Oh, I'm so glad. Look, you're wearing my sweater. And that's great. And maybe it's bonding. I don't know. That might sound silly to some people. 
But again, I think it's cool. Check your associations with it. Ask yourself, why couldn't this work with the kids? I know that in our community, our little local thrift shop, right across the street where I'm sitting right now, on a school holiday, that place is packed with high schoolers because they get it. They love it. They know they can get three pairs of jeans for 10 bucks or less than 10 bucks. They know they can buy a shirt for whatever. And they love it. They think it's fun. It's cool here. I don't know about other places, but wow, what if we could shift that shopping mentality Mm -hmm. for a whole generation? And you can explain to children that are old enough to understand that you don't want to buy things that were made by people who are not paid well or who aren't taken care of in their jobs. Especially teenagers might really respond to this. As you said, Emma, the kids get it. You can also explain that natural fibers are better and they're healthier for our bodies and that they'll break down and go back to the soil one day and explain that the synthetic fibers are going to end up in the landfills or in the oceans. And these things that we see spread along the beach are things we want to minimize. Yeah. And if you are going to buy new things, there are some great sustainable clothing brands for kids. Just make sure you, you know, you're reading as much as you can on the website about where they're made. And if clothing brands aren't super transparent and broadcasting what they're doing, then it's probably because they don't want you to know those things. So that's just something to keep in mind as you're researching clothing brands. And we actually carry a great line on the Lady Femur Marketplace called Jackalo. Jackalo is designed here in Washington, D.C., and we do not produce these clothes, but they're great kids' clothing, and they're designed to grow your kid, and they're super durable. So yeah, that's a great line. And then also, my mom loves to dye things in indigo. There are still many items in the shop that are sourced from our local thrift stores and consignment shops. My mom has dyed to give new life that are available for purchase, but also that's something you can do at home too. How fun would that be at the end of the summer? Everyone pick your favorite white or cream colored or light colored shirt or something, and we'll make a big dye vat of onion skins or whatever it is. And have a little clothing dye party and then the kids can wear their dyed stuff and you can do tie-dye. So fun. Yes. And with this cool fall weather coming in, I'm getting really excited about doing some more dyeing. So I'm going to be doing some indigo dipping and some other colors. So keep your eye on the Lady Farmer Marketplace for those hand-dyed thrifted items to pop up, adult and children's. Oh, yeah. So we hope that this past half hour has left you with lots of exciting ideas and inspiration about how to move through this hyper-marketed consumer season that is the beginning of fall and the start to the new school year. We are all probably a little tired and over the heat and ready for a change And again, feeling nostalgic and feeling excited for whatever self-improvement things come along with new beginnings. And it's just so easy to be sold things in this time. And I guess the, the main takeaway that I would hope someone would get from this is instead of unconsciously responding to your own feelings by buying things you you think you need, maybe take the opportunity to create from yourself, which ultimately feels a lot better, create new memories around some of these things we've talked about, like the community clothing swap or natural dye party or having your kids find all of the school supplies in the house and making it a contest or talking to your kids about, I'm going to put a whole cucumber in your lunchbox and that might be 
you think it's funny or weird, but guess what? It is funny and weird and it's better for the planet and for you. We hope you've enjoyed this. And please let us hear from you. We'd love to hear your reaction to some of these ideas. If you just think we're way off base, let us know if we've made you think. Or if you have something that you've done that yeah. we didn't talk about here. Or if you have your own feelings about this time, you can call into our voicemail. It's 443-459-1950. That's 443-459-1950. If you want to leave us a voice message about any of these things that we've talked about, we'd love to hear from you. Yes, please let us know and have a wonderful fall and hope the kids have fun getting ready to get back to school. We'll see you soon on the Good Dirt Podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs>